All right, everybody, welcome back to the Millennial Sales Podcast, episode 309. It's Monday, June 13th. This is where young salespeople come to get to the next stage of their career. Stoked for this episode. Um, in a minute, we'll get some action with Morgan Buchanan. Morgan is a, an SDR over at Speckit uh, in the sales enablement space. Before that, she spent a decade plus as a professional ballet dancer. And we kind of have this unintended theme throughout all of June where the Monday episodes uh, are with a lot of folks that came from various different backgrounds and got into tech sales within the last year or two. You heard that from Drew Piper last week. You heard that from Morgan today. You'll hear that actually again next Monday from someone else. And um, it's a really hot topic. Uh, we get both you know, kind of high level as to, you know, why she was interested and why she needed to make a change. And then tactically, like how she made that happen, how she actually booking meetings, how was the adjustment? How do you balance or adjust from being a, a, an athlete into, you know, more of a corporate salesperson? Um, so Morgan gets into all that. It's a great episode. I think you're going to enjoy it. Before we get there, a quick word. Um, the sponsor of the show is the Up and Up community. I just launched this with my friend, Anthony Natoli. It is a private sales community that helps you not only crush your goals, but also uh, stay fulfilled, mentally healthy, and try to become a better person in the process. So uh, if you like what you hear, go check us out. It's at patreon.com slash up and up, uh, or hit me up on LinkedIn. Uh, the link's in my profile. My name's Tom Alamo, uh, or you can DM me with any questions that you have. Now, without further ado, let's get to my conversation with Morgan Buchanan. Let's go. All right. Up next on the Millennial Sales Podcast, we have Morgan Buchanan. Morgan, how are you? I'm doing good. Thanks. How are you doing? I am doing great. It's uh, second to last day of the quarter over here. So <laughs> I'm doing as great as a sales rep can do uh, when there's still a deal or two out there and 24 hours to get it in. So we're, we're working on it. Totally. I understand. And I appreciate you accommodating me at the end of the quarter. That's a big deal. So I feel really special. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyone that, uh, if I get a, a DM from Zoe Hartsfield, that's like, Hey, you need to talk to this person. Um, which doesn't happen very often, but when it does, like I'll drop whatever to talk to that person. So, uh, I'm excited to have you on and, and hear your story. <laughs> Thank you. Hopefully, hopefully I don't disappoint, but if Zoe gave me a vote of confidence, then I'm already feeling good. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so Let's talk about let's talk about the journey a little bit. So you you've been at Speckit for uh, what like ten ish months now, coming up mm -hmm. on a year. Yep, yep. So I joined in um, July of 2021 as an inbound SDR, and then I moved to outbound in January of this year. And before that, you were ballet dancing for how many, like 15 years or some 20 years, some crazy number yeah, like that? Yeah, it was, it was 12 years. So okay, you were almost years. there. Um, yeah. So I was a ballet dancer for 12 years. And when the pandemic happened, um, Colorado ballet pretty much ceased to exist. And it was really the first time that I had time and space to actually take a break. I had been dancing since I was three, training professionally since I was 16, and had never taken that much time off. And what I realized is that I didn't want to do it anymore. And that was an incredibly um, shocking realization, because when you're dancing in a, in a professional environment like that, um, it's really it's a whole part of your identity. And especially if you've been doing it since you're very, very young as I did. And so 
I first off started going to therapy <laughs> to figure yeah. that out. Um, and then I started brainstorming what I could do next, because typically the career path for a dancer is to go into teaching or some kind of like Pilates or yoga instruction or something like that. And I knew that I didn't want to do that. So um, while I was dancing, I had gotten my bachelor's degree online from CU in political science and a minor in international studies. And while I was dancing, I had done a couple of different internships through um, uh, like with lobbyists at the state capitol. And um, I was actually a political canvasser for a while. So I knew that I didn't want to do that um, either, but I started thinking about other things that I had done and realized that I had kind of been this public face for Colorado Ballet. So ever since I joined the company when I was 18, I was asked to go and speak at events and talk to donors and, um, and do interviews and things like that. And in the process, I made a lot of connections in with the donors. And so nonprofit development seemed like a natural fit for me. So I leveraged some connections and I started working in nonprofit development in, um, it was probably September, 2020. Um, and I, I quickly realized that while I enjoyed it, I wanted something different long-term. Um, and so that's, that's kind of the path from, from ballet, nonprofit development, and then into tech. So what was it about ballet? Like after all those years, did you just get burnt out or what, when was the moment where you're just like, I like, this isn't, this isn't the path for me anymore. Yeah, I was very, very burnt out. Um, to the point where I didn't even realize how burnt out I was. And the fact that I was relieved when they canceled the rest of our season, when the pandemic hit, and I was relieved that there wasn't a, um, a start date for us to come back, that was a huge red flag for me. And in addition to that, I mean, there was a lot of, um, I would call it political turmoil in the ballet, um, as well as my body was starting to really hurt. And so I was taking, do you know Celebrex? It's for like no. pe people with arthritis. I was on like a huge dosage of Celebrex every day. And I, I was just thinking to myself, this, is, this isn't right. Like I shouldn't be able to, or I shouldn't not be able to walk up and down stairs at age 29. That's not what I want for the rest of my life. And so right. all of that kind of combined made me realize that I needed to take a little bit of a deeper look as to what I wanted my path to be. Yeah. Yeah. You, I mean, I've, I've heard a lot of stories, you know, the same thing that you're mentioning with, you know, other athletes that they play whatever sport or do whatever until, you know, they're 30 or in their twenties or in their thirties, still super young people. And, you know, that's your life from when you're eight years old or whenever you start 10 years old and that's your identity. Right. And so it's like, okay, now I need to remove myself from, you know, uh, whatever that activity was, that sport was, and like, who, who the hell am I? And like, what am I going to do with the other, you know, 60 years of, of my life? Um, yeah. And so it sounds like you kind of had that, that type of moment. Um, and as you're kind of like trying different things, you're like, ah, that doesn't feel right. That doesn't feel right. Like what, mm -hmm. how did you actually get pushed to like tech sales of all things? Yeah, so I was thinking about um, my career in nonprofit development. And what I was doing was I was reaching out to people and trying to get them 
interested enough in this organization to either take a Zoom meeting and learn more or come in and take a tour of our facility or get involved with one of our boards or give money to the organization. And I really liked that like sales aspect of it. Um, and so I have one of my good friends, Nicolette, uh, works at Snowflake. And I was deep in an existential crisis trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And yeah. um, I, she and I went to go get a beer and I was like, I just, I have no idea. And I, tech is something for someone who spent the majority of their life not having to deal with stuff on a computer, like going into tech is extremely, extremely intimidating. And I didn't even think that it was really a possibility. And um, she's actually friends with Melanie Speckett, CEO. And she said, you know, hey, my friend is the CEO of this company. You should check it out. And I was like, yeah, I'll talk to them. You know, I'll talk to anybody and we'll see. And I ended up really falling in love with the people that I interviewed with. And um, I could tell that it was just a really great culture. And so I decided to give it a shot. Wow, that's cool. Um, I mean, it's great to have that connection. And it's just like, sometimes it's like who you know and the opportunities come from there. And um, I was telling you before we started recording, I just was listening to Melanie on uh, John Barros's podcast. And she was talking about, you know, kind of like leaning, sometimes leaning away from like the million, uh, you know, things that are happening in the world. And like, she, what she really leans into is like trying to, I'm paraphrasing, but like up level other women into leadership and, you know, into sales and just like into power positions, I guess, uh, in, in corporate America and in, in tech. And I'm just curious, like, I know you now, I know Zoe, um, I followed her, uh, Melanie, like, what has that been like, um, as someone that's breaking in and seeing such like a strong role model and knowing that that's like a passion of hers to help kind of build up from within too? Yeah. Um, that's a really good question. I feel very spoiled because I know that a lot of people who have been in tech, a lot of women who have been in tech for a long time have not had those role models and have not seen that it's possible. And so for me to just waltz right in and have this amazing CEO and all of these fantastic examples of diverse and female leadership within the organization, um, I feel very, very lucky. And it definitely, I think, has laid a good foundation for me to stay motivated and know that I have these um, female role models and mentors that I can uh, reach out to. Yeah, um, it, it's amazing. And I'm curious, like, so you, you've been competitively dancing for 12 years. You kind of go through this existential crisis. You obviously, all of the, in my mind, all of the skills that you would need as a competitive dancer or competitive anything will translate to sales. I mean, not the physical stuff, but just like the determination, the discipline, all of that. So did you pick it up relatively quickly and translate over? Or was it kind of awkward when you started picking up the phone or, or what were like the first few weeks and months like? Yeah. Um, well, it was definitely awkward the first time I picked up the phone. I would say it's still a little awkward when I pick up the phone, but yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I had um, my boss at the time was, and he's still with the organization, but he's an RVP now instead of in uh, sales development. But he did a really, really great job of making sure that I felt comfortable. And I was also um, taught by the person who was doing inbound at the time. So I basically had someone holding my hand the whole time, which was really, really nice. And the great thing about jumping into um, a 
an industry where you don't know anything is that you don't know what's good and what's bad. And so you just go out there and you do it. And I knew going into it that I couldn't be afraid of falling on my face. And um, I think that that has ended up serving me very, very well. Um, Another thing that's really interesting is, and I think it's something that keeps me very um, engaged in the sales world is the feedback culture that exists. Mm. And because dancing, you know, the majority of your time is spent in rehearsal and you're for those eight hours or however long it is, you're getting constant feedback. And it could be down to something as strange as you're literally your pinky toe is not in the right place. You need to fix where it is to make this position look good. And um, it's that, that detailed for eight hours or however long it is. And so to be in an environment where giving and receiving constructive feedback is such a core part of the role, I think is something that just is, it comes really naturally to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that was something that was, that was interesting. Do you take, cause I, I'm the exact opposite of that. Like I, I, I love like the high level stuff, but like when it comes to details, like, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I just space out on a lot of that. Is that, have you translated that part of like being so regimented about every little small detail into like what you do as a salesperson and just like, I don't know how you organize yourself or your time or anything like that. Yeah. I've had to let go a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, cause I do tend to get bogged down in perfection, which I know does not exist, but, um, I have, yeah, I've had to let go and just accept the fact that it's not going to be perfect all the time. And I think I'm slowly becoming more of a big picture person as well. Yeah. Because I think, you know, I I took a dance class in college. uh, So I I think that's all I could say about that. But I played, I played a lot of sports, you know, growing up and in college and um, like, there's, there's a decent amount you can control in, in certain aspects of that. Um, but in sales, there's just only so much you can like you're, because you're dealing with someone else, like, and you can't force them to take a meeting. You can't force them to buy something. There's really only so much you can do. And so I, I do feel like kind of detaching from the outcome and like letting it be, so to say in, in some regards is like a healthy way to think about it because otherwise I've been there where I just drive myself crazy. Cause it's like, I need to do better. I need to book more meetings, close more deals, but it's like, well, if you focus less about that outcome and you just focus on like doing the right stuff, like it all tends to work out, at least in my experience. Totally. Yeah. And I definitely am someone when things are not going well, I can get very, it's like I get blinders on and I can't see outside of what this small and relatively insignificant thing is that I'm trying to fix is, if that makes sense. And so something that our leadership has done a really great job with is if they see me getting like that, they basically, someone told me once you were doing a lot better when you didn't give a fuck. And so (laughs) how can you, how can you bring that back a little bit? And um, so, yeah, I mean, when I first joined, it's funny, I say I did the original cold FaceTime because I was a political canvasser in 2018. And so like, (laughs) Being a political canvasser in a purple state in um, a political climate that is incredibly tumultuous is the ultimate cold FaceTime. So when that trend started, I was like, yeah, I'll try it. Like, whatever. I don't I don't have anything to lose. And it actually worked out in my favor. Um, as an SDR, so, you're saying, or as a political canvasser? 
No, I tried it as a, as an SDR. Oh, and so it's working for you? I mean, I tried it twice and I okay. two for two with meetings. Booked, we'll so. take it. Perfect score. <laughs> yeah. I don't do it anymore though, but just while it was a, while it was a thing on LinkedIn, I decided I'd try it. So got you. Um, I forgot where I was going with that story, but um, what was your question? We can I'm sorry. Out. I interrupted you. No, it's okay. um, <laughs> I don't even remember what I asked either, but um, what I am curious about is we were talking a little bit before about, you know, the transition from outside careers um, as varied as they can be. Like, you know, my roommate was an accountant. My sister was a special ed teacher for a decade and now both thriving uh, in sales as well. And so I'd love to just hear like, if there was people listening that, you know, were you a year ago, right? That like have like the idea that maybe they want to get into tech, they want to work remote, they want the opportunity, but don't really know where to start. Like where, where would you start? Like, what would you tell yourself a year ago um, of where to start on something like that? I think that I would try and look at some outside of the box skills um, that you have developed because everyone has them. You just don't yeah. always know what they are. So even while I was thinking about this podcast and writing down some of the things that I knew that I wanted to touch on, this whole new idea dawned on me. So when I was dancing, we were under a union contract. So I was employed for 34 weeks out of the year. For 18 of those weeks, I was unemployed. So I had to hustle and make money through whatever means possible because I, during those 18 weeks, because I knew that I wasn't going to be getting a paycheck. And so I would try and find teaching gigs. I would find guests, like dance guesting things. Um, I would really try hard to do focus groups and things like that, because I knew that I didn't want to just sit inside while I had that time off. Um, I really wanted to take advantage of that time and travel. But what that did was it um, instilled this I think resilience in me and this um, ability to pull yourself up by the bootstraps and get shit done. And um, because your life really depends on it. You want to have money, you want to do stuff. Money is choice, money is security. So um, looking at interesting things that maybe you have done in the past and trying to frame that in a way that matches whatever role you're trying to get into. Because another thing that was really concerning to me about getting into tech is I, up until last July, I had never looked at Salesforce. I had never used outreach. I had never, yeah. never once did I ever think that I would be selling a product that sits on top of these tools. And so, um, but you learn all of that, like all of that will come in time. Um, but I think it's more about the skills that you bring to the table. And I think a lot of teams too are looking for people who can um, really highlight the fact that they bring skills to the table that no one else on the team does. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like as I've done this podcast for so long, um, the amount of people that I've met that started in something so different from sales and then you know, they were a chef or they were this or that, and then somehow wound up in this profession and then use those skills that no one else had um, to kind of like make it their own and, and make it their own story. Um, you know, it, it, there's, there's tons of people like that. And I think on the tech side, it probably just seems more intimidating than it really is because it's like, oh, like Salesforce, like what even is that? But like, once you start <laughs> using it, it's like, it's just like anything, you know, it's not any harder than using Instagram or something, you know, it's, right. it's just all the same. And I feel like 
if you have the foundational skills of, you, know, you mentioned resilience, you mentioned attention to detail, discipline, things like that, um, you know, an ability to learn and be coachable. If you have those, it doesn't matter if you can't even spell Salesforce. Like that's, that's so far off the radar. As long as you have some of those foundational pieces, you'll be successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, all right. I'd love to get tactical for a minute or two in here. Like mm-hmm. I see Speckett. I'm seeing Speckett all the time. I see you are all, you're all on LinkedIn. Like there's a lot of noise being made. I want to know what is booking meetings right now for the SDR team that I can steal. Yeah. So, um, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse when I say videos, but, um, I think that the whole team really does a good job of utilizing video in their outreach. Um, whether that's, you know, sending a thank you for connecting video on LinkedIn, um, that, that usually is what starts a conversation for me, especially because people do now recognize the Speckett brand on LinkedIn. So if mm-hmm. I can send that extra video touch, putting a face to the name, that will typically initiate a conversation for me later on down the road. Um, I also think that there's a big focus on trying those different things and what can you do to think outside the box to add to your outreach. And so when I first started, I knew that I didn't want to completely reinvent the wheel. Um, so I t- took the, se- the sequences from the top performing rep and literally just copy pasted. And I was like, if it's working for her, it's going to work for me. And um, she, her name is Shaleen. She's one of my really good friends, but she yeah, has this really... Shout out Shalene. Um, she has this really funny, like self-deprecating sense of humor. And so while that doesn't work for everyone, I figured that was close enough to my real voice that I could make it work. And so I started with that and then through, you know, all the LinkedIn tidbits and the webinars and things like that, I slowly edited them down until it sounded like me. Um, and so doing that, trying different things like videos, um, as well as I call them extracurricular activities. Like I go to, um, improv some Thursdays with like some of the growth AEs and it's, it's been so fun and it's such a good exercise in thinking on your toes. How long have you been doing that for? Um, a couple months now. So we, a couple of us finally got up. So they have a they have a, like a two hour long class. And then after that, they have a, a improv jam. And yeah. um, so we've been going to the class for a couple months now. And then a couple weeks ago, we got up the courage to go to the improv jam. And it was, it was just a blast. It's like this little theater in downtown Denver and um, they've got great drinks and it was just, it was really fun. That is cool. That's um, I actually heard. Um, I don't know if you know who Ryan Serhant is. He was like the, mm-hmm. He was, he, he's a New York city, um, real estate broker for like luxury things. And he was on some show, I forget what it's even called, but, um, I had him on and he was talking about how, when he first started, he got into improv and tells people to do that. And it's always been on my list to like, Oh, that sounds fun. First of all, it'd be fun. And second of all, definitely helps you with just like thinking on your toes, being creative, all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't gotten out there yet. So maybe that's the push, uh, that I need. Sounds like it's a good experience. Yeah, I, I think so. And it really, um, especially because I want to be an AE and I know that thinking on your toes is something that's really an important skill to have. So continuing to hone that in a way that isn't just 
some sort of sales training or sales course or something like that, um, it brings a little bit more joy into it for me, which um, yeah. I'm all about. So, yeah. Um, how about, so for the LinkedIn video, I want to get a little bit um, deeper into that. So if you, let's, if I'm a prospect, I'd love to know, like, first, if you're sending the connection request, do you have a message in there first, or is it just, just a like send through? And then like, what are you actually saying on the video as like a thank you for the connection? I'm just curious. Yeah. So I have way more success not sending a message with my connection request. And I know, I feel like it's so 50, 50. That's what I've heard. Um, but I feel like if I don't send a message, then that's more time for me to do other outreach. So I don't send a message with the connection request. If they accept, I send them a message as soon as I see it come through. And it's a, it's a generic video. Um, so it's just me, it's probably 20 seconds. And I say, Hey, thanks so much for connecting. Really looking forward to following your content here on LinkedIn. Feel free to reach out if you ever have any questions or you just want to chat about anything at all. Um, again, thanks so much for connecting, like looking forward to staying in touch. And that's it. And then depending on how much they engage with my emails, um, I'll then follow up. Usually it's with a a written message that says, hey, so-and-so noticed you've been going back to my emails. Curious if I said anything particularly relevant or if I totally missed the mark. Um, And so just- And that's on LinkedIn, that message. That's on LinkedIn. Yeah. Rather than sending them another email, I'll go back and forth. Sometimes I'll send that in an email. Sometimes if a ton of people have opened it, I have this snippet that I use that um, it says, uh, hey, so-and-so noticed that you and maybe some others on your team had taken a look at my video. Um, Curious if I said something particularly relevant or if I got so many views because I'm getting marked as spam. Hopefully it's the former. And I usually get a response on that one. so just really having fun with it. I mean, everyone's a human. Everyone totally. everyone has been through a lot the past couple of years. And um, I think it's, I mean, I see the, some of the emails that I get from SDRs and BDRs. And I just, I want to be more fun than that. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I think if you treat it like it's mundane and like a robot, then you might have good open rates, but you're just going to get burnt out from it. And Mm -hmm. um, so you got to keep it loose. Uh, The last thing on the tactic side that I want to just mention is you said a couple minutes ago, how when you first started, I forget her name already, but uh, you gave a shout out to her um, as being the top performer, kind of like stole her sequences or borrowed her sequences, which I think all, all of us do early on. I remember I would follow around like the best reps when I first started and um, sit in on all their calls and say the exact same things they did. And it like kind of works, but then like, it doesn't really fully work until you make it your own. And it's just like somewhere, at least for me, it was like about a year in where I started to like know enough about what I was talking about, where I felt confident and I was talking like me. And then all of a sudden, like things kind of took off and I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, that's so interesting. And so that's, I feel like the biggest kind of milestone to hit in, in -hmm. a first year as a salesperson is like, once you are writing and talking like yourself and confident in what you're selling and in the conversations, like the sky's the limit from there. So uh, for anyone that's in like, you know, the early days, you know, you want to get to that point as quickly as you can, for sure. 
Yeah, totally. And I, I feel like that comes very naturally to me when I am sending an email or talking to someone on LinkedIn, but I get on the phone and I'm like, uh, like, yeah. <laughs> what yeah. can I regurgitate right now? Um, yeah. But another thing that helped me, especially coming from a non-tech background was um, listening to recordings of top sellers in um like discovery calls or demos or things like that. And I would literally just have Google Sheets up and I would do like stream of consciousness writing phrases out as I heard them. Mm -hmm. And then if it sounded interesting to me or if it sounded like something that maybe I would need to know what it was um, and just hearing them talk about the product and hearing Mel talk about the product helped me put together my talk track and I think helped me feel much more comfortable in speaking to what it is that we do. Yeah. Such a great tip. Um, all right. I want to round this out with some rapid fire questions. Let people know a little bit more about you. If that's cool with you. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. First up, we are big learners on this podcast. I'm not sure, uh, if you're a reader or not, but if you are, I'd love to hear any books that you love any books that have impacted you as a person in your career. Um, any genres is fair game. Yeah, so um, really, a full disclosure, the only sales book I've read is Fanatical Prospecting, um, which was great, loved sure. it, but always looking to read more in that space. Um, another thing on the sales front that I listen to a lot is the Make It Happen Mondays. I love that podcast, um, yeah. which I know that's not a unique a unique thing, um, but I'm looking, sorry, I'm looking at my bookshelf. There's one specific book that I feel like truly changed my life. Hold on. Let's. Hold, please. Hold, please. Okay. Yeah, it's You Deserve the Truth by Erica Williams Simon. Um, okay. And she talks now we're a talking. lot. Yeah, she talks a lot about changing the narrative of your own life as it relates to fear and dreams and money, your profession, um, in a way that is really easy to read and very actionable. Mm. And so, it's definitely more female focused, I would say, but um, highly recommend it. She's fantastic. Yeah, I love it. I feel like going back to what we were talking about with like someone's kind of foundational skill set versus like knowing Salesforce or knowing how to cold call. I've personally found that those types of, I haven't read that book, but those types of books that are more like self help or personal mm -hmm. development are, have helped me more in my career. Uh, 10 times more than like a sales book and no disrespect to fanatical prospecting because that actually is a really good book but nine times out of ten i'll take the self-help type book especially early on yeah definitely and i think too the more that you can apply those types of um that type of learning to your life outside of work you'll see a benefit at work as well and yeah. lead a more well-rounded life i think um, which as you know, in sales is so important because it's so easy to get bogged down in when it's not going well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. What other, um, what other ways do you like to learn? Like, uh, podcasts you listen to people you follow on LinkedIn, um, blogs or newsletters, if you check those out, like what, anything else that's uh, top of mind? So I do listen because of, the persona that I sell to is a lot of um, sales enablement folks. So yep. 
any sales enablement or sales ops podcasts that I can listen to and even just have it on in the background while I'm doing other things. Kind of the same idea of that like stream of consciousness, writing and learning. Um, I feel like if I have it on in, in the background, surely I'm absorbing something, even if I'm not actually intently listening to it. So mm-hmm. I really like the enablement squad, um, the sales enablement pro podcast, all of those, those are really great. Nice. So I think depending on whatever your persona is, getting to really know them and listening to what it is that they're listening to. So you can speak to what it is that they're going through, what their pains are, what their initiatives might be, and what are the trends in the space. Yep. hundred percent. Um, what goes on in the headphones music wise? <laughs> um, yeah, I listen to a ton of stuff. So my all time favorite band is smashing pumpkins, which okay. sometimes surprises people. Um, they've been my favorite band since I was a kid. So I, I love them. Um, I also listen to a lot of classical music just because I, that was a huge part of my life for so long. And, um, I really enjoy it. And then a lot of, um, if you've ever listened to the, it's the crying on the dance floor, um, Spotify playlist. No, a lot of, like, but I'm intrigued. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a lot of Bob Moses and Rufus Dussel and, um, stuff like that. Gotcha. So nice. Okay. Yeah. I like it. Um, what's something that you like to do outside of work to kind of recharge? Yeah, I, um, this is such a stereotypical Colorado person thing, but I try and hike by myself, um, me and my dog, at least once a weekend, um, especially usually on a Sunday morning, because I feel like it just clears my head and kind of gets me, gets me ready to take on the week and um, reminds me to get out of my head a little bit. Um, and there's a ton of just amazing trails out here in Colorado that are so close to Denver. I, we're so spoiled to live so close to them. So, um, yeah, a lot of hiking. That's been the biggest, uh, detriment to, from moving from California to Chicago is <laughs> zero. There's no hiking. There's no Hills. There's no mountains. Yeah. Uh, so I'm missing Very flat. that, but yeah, yeah. But um, you've got the lake. Yeah. Yeah. People keep telling me about the lake. It's it's cool. It's cool. It's not a mountain to me, but we're, you know, that's a whole nother conversation. Um, is there, are there any favorite quotes, mantras, philosophies, anything like that, that, um, I don't know that you really like, or that you think about a lot or anything like that? Yeah. Um, there's a lot. (laughs) Um, let me think there I mean, I feel like it's overused, but it's something that I feel like is really true is um, I think it's Henry Ford, the whether you think you can or can't, you're right. And that's something that um, when I was having a really, really hard time um, with when I was trying to figure out if I wanted to go to college as like a normal college experience or continue on this path of professional ballet. I had a lot of self-doubt about whether or not I could actually do it. And so um, my dad wrote me this really long handwritten letter. And at the end of the letter in huge, huge writing was that quote. And so that's something that always stands out to me um, when I feel like I am not believing in myself. Uh, Shout out to Mr. Buchanan. That's great. Yeah. All right. Here's my last one for you. Who is someone 
that you want to see come on the Millennial Sales Podcast. But the caveat is that you have to help me get them on. Oh, gosh. Um, you've interviewed so many people. We could do a round two with people if, if, uh, if we deem that they're worthy. So you can, a round two. you don't have to, yeah. Some people okay, have come well, on twice. Well, I'm going to say, and I don't think you've had this person on, um, our RVP of growth, Christian Schmidt is probably, I mean, I'm biased and I haven't had that many managers, let's be honest, but he <laughs> is pretty much the best manager on this planet. And, um, he just has a, a really interesting take on, um, sales and how to motivate people and how he operates as a manager. And so I think it would be really valuable for people to hear his take on that. All right, Christian, you're on the prospecting list. He better be listening. If he's not, I'm yeah. going to be mad at him. <laughs> I'm going to send him a connection request and then a video once he accepts, yeah. <laughs> see if that move works. Yeah. Um, yeah. Morgan, this is a blast. I appreciate you coming on. Um, First of all, if there's anything that we didn't get to, feel free to, you know, jut in and happy to talk about it. Otherwise, uh, we'd love to know like where people can reach out to you, connect with you if they like what they heard, if they're looking to buy spec it uh, or anything in between. Yeah, reach out on reach out to me on LinkedIn. I think I'm Morgan Buchanan one because Morgan Buchanan was already taken, which was very upsetting. Um, <laughs> or they can shoot me an email. It's morgan.buchanan at speckit.co. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on, Morgan. Thanks.